0: Blackstar Radio, well, I only spoke to this man the other day, but crikey, in a couple of days, the news and the information changes so fast. I've got Dr Mark Wenatong from the Apunapema Cape York Health Council on the phone. Hi, Mark. Thanks for taking the time, mate. Look, yeah, it's
1: just really important that we get good fear evidence-based messages out to our communities, you know, so there's so much information coming and going, and with things closing down and roads being closed, we really need to be on top of that, and just getting clear information.
0: The closing down of the communities now, uh, from what I understand, the Puna Cape York Health Council, that was something that you have been advocating, but you said that actually the mayors and the councils have led the way on this.
1: Well, look, we, we advocated from a purely basic public health measures, if there's a thing coming like this, which is a pandemic, and we have discrete remote communities restricting travels. Is evidence-based approach. We're kind of surprised, really, that nobody was really pushing that earlier on because we could see the train coming. But the mayors and the communities got in before us even. Smart people and smart leadership evidence-based. So, yeah, we didn't have to push that hard here. The hard push was for activating some of the government legislation to allow them to have the authority to do that as well, and then to have it policed as well.
0: Yes, because I think also the Queensland Police are very much uh, proactive in assisting the roadblocks to make sure that people coming in and out are locals. Um, yep, yeah, look, that's
1: Certainly true. And look, at risk of being a bit negative, I just want to say that, you know, I, I know people who do slide robbing and stuff like that can will be able to still get in and out if they really want to. But uh, my message to them is don't matter if you're a criminal or not, you've still got a responsibility for your communities to protect them from this particular virus. So for that mob, you know, be responsible.
0: I think also that the communities have to be aware, and if they know of anybody, just give them the rules and regulations. Don't do it.
1: Well, yeah, when we have no idea where they've been what they've been doing, who they've been in contact with. So while we can close off all the legal places, you know, roads and stuff like that. There are other ways of getting in and out in these boats and a whole lot of other ways, you know. Um having said that, as so many of our community people that have kind of a bit stuck you know, either hospitals or boarding schools and things like that, wondering where they're gonna end up. While the roadblocks and everything are great, we still have a fair bit of work to do in organizing our responses better. So we can ensure that people who do need to go home are cleared and um, are low risk.
0: So you've got a fair bit of work ahead of you there. I would like to also ask, I believe the testing regime for COVID-19 is looking at changing. First off, it was if you'd been overseas or in contact with a person who'd been overseas. It's changing all the time now, I understand.
1: Um, yeah, look, that was all based on you know the highest risk people having and us having limited testing capability as we've improved our testing capability we've been able to offer more testing in the way that it should be done and um, there's good evidence particularly from Italy and other places that um, if we want to stop this thing spreading and continue containment that much greater population testing is useful and that means even now maybe even people who are just coming in and out will be able to test and whether they're sick or not because they come from Melbourne or Sydney or wherever, particularly, you know, obviously locums and other staff that are coming in and out like that. So that's going to be a really useful thing. And the other issue is there's is probably going to be a little bit more leeway in us to be able to just test population now. So if people are sick and unwell with um, cold and flu symptoms, at uh, temperature's over 38 and things like that, we can start doing that population testing now. I um, mean, that's kind of the latest, and it's taken it with a grain of salt yet because, as you know... um. Kind of hasn't been that organised, federal or state responses around these types of things. And as I say, it's changing daily and some of that's open to interpretation as well. But that's what we're hoping. And we hope to really ramp up testing uh, of people in and out of the Cape and people in the Cape if we possibly can. And we're looking at alternate supplies of, and other ways of getting
0: point of care testing as well for our mob. Some of your clinics that you've got, you have medical clinicians coming in from Cairns where there is now coronavirus. Is that going to be affecting your clinics? Because you did say something before about a bit more teleconferencing.
1: Absolutely. Look, the last thing we want to do now that we've got quite a few cases, and if we've got confirmed positive cases from laboratory of people who are sick, we'll have other asymptomatic people around, almost certainly and yet, as you know, there's been a couple of schools up here that have had scares. I'm not sure if anything's confirmed from any of those yet. But the fact that some of our staff's kids might have been exposed means that even our cancer-based staff they are a little bit higher risk than they were before. The problem is now, of course, is if we send doctors in now, they'll probably have to stay there for a duration because if they come out, they may not be able to get back in. So we're planning around that and we've planned around our GPs being able to do teleconferencing and, and using digital technology a lot more. As you're aware, broadband and infrastructure issues in the Cape means that videoconferencing, we couldn't video conference to every clinic because it wouldn't handle it. So just teleconferencing and basic approaches like that to um, technology, but that's fine as long as we can get people on the other end of the line We've still got plenty of community-based staff, mostly Aboriginal health workers, um, clinic workers, some of our RNs and the Queensland Health RNs, web workers that are community-based, you know, they're community people. So um, we've got someone on the other end of the phone as well who can take the blood pressures and take the bloods and things like that, um, while the GPs are on the other end of the phone ordering it and reading off the results. So it sounds a little bit less useful, but it's actually just as effective and it stops that whole risk of the fly and fly out people bringing... Infections in, And at the moment, given that the communities have, re- have reacted so quickly, means it's actually up to us now to make sure we really manage who's going in and out from our perspective as well and that they are essential.
0: And finally, we did touch on last time we spoke about overcrowding, which is a problem with Indigenous communities and the need to isolate if a person does become unwell. Have you had a look or have you been able to come up with any, I suppose, solution to the problem? Oh, uh, yeah, look, there's
1: a couple of answers to that, actually. Um, in some cases, we kind of say, well, in some cases, it's not overcrowding. In some cases, it's just the houses are too small for our families. Uh, and we choose to have big families, and we choose to have our grandmas and, and stuff and aunties and stuff live with us, and that's a really good thing. Um, the houses are just too small in some cases. So, so some of it is overcrowding, and some of it is just small houses. But that is a big issue for us, and um, the whole public health approach at the moment that dies well if somebody needs to be more isolated or quarantined. Um, you know, you use the spare bedroom with the ensuite. Well, you know, that's kind of like saying to somebody up in Yeah, we, we'll, we'll use the spare bedroom that we reserve for when the clean visits, you know, because uh, that just ain't there. We've got to do things that are practical in our communities and do a proper socio-cultural way that we do it. What some communities like my friends have been fantastic. They've, they've blocked out guest houses and stuff like that and um accommodation because uh, nobody's in them. And so this helps with the economy and everything else as well so we can use those spaces instead and in some cases we're looking at not separating the um, people who have infections and mild flus and things like that but um, looking at how we can get older people with chronic diseases out um, and into these kinds of accommodations so that they're separate for the duration
0: if we can or for as long as it takes. So one suggestion would be to quarantine the elderly so that they don't get sick? Yep
1: that's it those One of the things that are being worked through now by um, the local councils, local disaster groups, they're the ones who really know what's available locally, whether it's homelands, air station facilities or other places that we can utilise and what other structures in the community that potentially we can use. We're the health people, so we won't know all that kind of stuff, but um, the councils and local people will.
0: Just uh, before we go, Dr Mark, is there any sort of message that you would like to be able to offer to uh, communities as we await the lockdown period?
1: Oh, yeah, well, look, there's so many messages, um, and I'm sure they're getting bombarded by so many messages at the moment. But, look, the basic hygiene messages that we put out three weeks ago about, you know, trying to stay a bit away from people, that social distancing stuff, and we've been sort of saying, look, just think about it as if you're a smoker, and that's about how far you need to be away from people as much as you can, you know, usual hand hygiene, um, you know, coughing into your sleeves, not touching your face, washing your hands regularly with soap if you don't have anything else, those kind of measures are going to work, and they are working, so continue to do that. While we've got all these strong restrictions in place, we have a very good chance at really limiting spread quickly, so that's kind of what we wanted to do, and um, that's sort of in place as much as we possibly can, so keep doing that. But definitely listen to um, the mayors and the councils and the police about the restricted travel, because that'll save lives. Uh, it's probably about time in camps, people basically hunkering down um, in their homes and stuff and watching Netflix and drinking grub, I suppose, because they can access that. For our people in Cape and Torres, we mightn't have those kind of luxuries, so it's really, really important to think about your social and emotional wellbeing. At a time like this, what it feels like as you're getting anxious and, and worried and what kind of things you might be able to do to, you know, overcome those kinds of things. And especially, like you know, you are going to get in each other's nerves if you have to more You've got sixty kids running around inside the house, etc. So... Think about how you can manage those kind of things without getting on each other's nerves. And particularly because, as I was saying, mainstream can access other things that we can't access um, in Cape and Torres. So if we have to work out those things for ourselves, how we can stay healthy, healthy lifestyle, continue to get outside without being in big crowds, plenty of walking places. But as I've been saying to our you know, the country will take care of you as well. So you can get out there and feel the earth and listen to the river and listen to the breeze and sit on the beach those kind of things. watch out for crocodiles? Of <laughs> course, that won't relax you. But um, but you know what I mean. There's ways of us using our cultural ways of being therapeutic around our wellbeing, and we should be practicing those now. Um, as well as any you know Western kind of things that we can access. Having said that, um, we've started a, a um, hotline for our counselling services here. So we've pulled a lot of our social emotional well-being um, services out because they weren't particularly essential to the clinical response, but we're absolutely just as worried about the social emotional well-being anxiety and other other responses um, in community. So we'll um, be advertising pretty soon. We've started it and we'll be advertising pretty soon what hours that is available. There'll be got both male and female counsellors on the end of the phone and they'll be on call and um, we should be on the cover off on that. I think at the moment we're just saying five to eight or something like that at, at night. But well, we'll see what um, the need is like. But just know that there are people you can talk to if you're getting stressed out um, and need to have a yarn, and we'll be putting that out on their website pretty soon.
0: Looking forward to seeing it, Mark, as soon as I've got word of what those phone numbers are, I'll definitely be putting that as well. So, Mark, look, thanks very much for your time, mate. I know you're extremely busy at the moment with what's going on, and uh, all the very best. Uh, look, you take care, and thanks for getting the messages out there, brother. See you then, mate. That is Mark uh, Wenatong, the doctor at the Ipunapima Cape York Health Council.